and welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we bring real, raw, relevant issues from a woman's perspective to the table with wit and wisdom. Ladies and gentlemen, today I have a very special guest that is on the radio waves, and she's been doing this for so many years. She's a pro. She also is a conservative voice, which we're losing a lot of those lately. And I want to introduce you, my friend, Heidi Harris. Heidi? Hi. 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 How are you? How are you, girl? You know, I adore you. I'm honored to be here. Thank you, honey. Well, the reason why I met you was because you wanted me to come on your show because you were interested in trafficking. And back then, I gosh, it feels like 10 or 15 years ago, trafficking was kind of like this new thing and it wasn't trendy and it wasn't like, you know, bougie or, or sophisticated to talk about it, but you were willing to call me on the show and talk about the real issues with it and what was happening in Las Vegas. And I want to commend you for that because back then nobody wanted to talk about it, you know, and and you became uh, an advocate for me as, as a friend and, and you let me have my voice. And I just want to thank you for that. And I wanted to bring you on today because not only to thank you for what you've done and what you do, but I love your story. And you were in Las Vegas working as a cocktail waitress, and it's such a neat story. And I want you to, if you can, just tell people, you know, your story and also what you do. Okay. Well, I've been doing talk radio now for 23 years, believe it or not, 23 years. I did work as a cocktail waitress when I was younger in my twenties, had a lot of fun doing that. And then I started singing for a living, did that for a few years, but I knew I wasn't going to do it long-term because, you know, get to a certain point where unless you're a bit midler, you got to give up the fishnets, right? And I got into talk radio (laughs) while I was still singing. I got into talk radio. So I would literally sing all night in the lounge, go sleep in my car for an hour, and then get up and fill in for the morning guy at the radio station, just kind of doing what you had to do to pay your dues, right? That's how I got into it. And so I started out doing a, a fill-ins, and then I got a weekend show, and then I did five years with a partner, and I've done, ever since then, I've done my own thing, and it's been a crazy ride, and people have tried to shut me down, which is what people are still doing to conservatives, tried to get me fired, all those things that any talk show host can tell you about. And, uh, you know, God's gotten me through it. It's clearly God's plan for me to do this because I've certainly tried to at times get away. And it's like the worms in the bucket. They keep pulling me back. (laughs) But I like what I do. and I like to speak up for my hometown. So, yeah. And we love Vegas, don't we? We love Las Vegas. Yeah, we do. We do. Where did you used to work as a Caltea waitress? Can you share that or not? I, oh, yeah. I worked at Sam's Town for a lot of years. And then I worked on the strip at the MGM Grand when they first opened. Yes. Okay. Yes, that, that was fun. But uh, so, yeah, that's what I did. That used to be the marina. Do you remember that? Correct. The marina Correct. hotel. And that's then they right. They built it. onto it. Right. And they turned it into a green monster. <laughs> Not that it's a monster, but, and they had that Wizard of Oz theme for a while. And and because of course their lineage of all the movies and everything else like that. And so that's really, really interesting. What was it like being a cocktail waitress here? What kind of things did you see? Well, I saw people die in front of me occasionally, not that often, but uh, you know, you you see the best and worst in people when you do that job. Uh, I wrote, actually wrote a book about it. I'm not here to promote my books, but I did write a book called Cocktail Waitress Wisdom. No, you can promote it. I I want you to tell Tell them the story about okay. that. 
Amazon, the book's called Cocktail Waitress Wisdom. Now, the reason I wrote the book was because I learned lessons in that job that I took with me to every job after that. And I started thinking about the things I've learned, like, you know, tomorrow's got to be a new day. You may get really mad at somebody at work tomorrow. You've got to, you know, just got to deal with it. Or understanding that it's not all about you. I remember being like 21 years old. And I came to work and the girl I worked with was really being mean to me that day. And I said to my bartender, mm-hmm. matter. She mad at me. She says, no, she put her rent money in the slot machines last night. Oh. I didn't realize it's not all about me. Right. Those are the kind of lessons wow. that you learn when you and as I, as an adult and as I've gotten older, if I go to work and you're just nasty to me and I haven't done anything to you or that I need to apologize for or you haven't brought it to my attention. You know, and not that I'm perfect in that regard, because you still let it get to you if somebody's crabby and that kind of thing. But that's what I wrote the book about. I talked about sexual harassment in the book, because nowadays women whine about the slightest. Oh, he told me I look cute today. Oh, for heaven's sake. And, you know, your daddy can't go to work with you, which is one of the things I put in the book. Sometimes you have to handle it yourself and tell people off if necessary or whatever. So I talked about that kind of thing. You learn a lot of lessons in that job. You know what? That's a really great point to make about forgiveness because, I mean, it calls us to forgive as Christians, as people that believe in Jesus. Obviously, we're supposed to forgive people. And that's kind of hard when you see the same people every day if they're not treating you right at your job. But I really like the fact that you went to work and you learned things. And I I would like to say that you were a cocktail waitress with a conscience. Would (laughs) Would you say that's what you had? I mean, you were learning as you went, but you, I mean, cause people, when you go to work, cause I remember walking through the casinos and of course I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. I was breaking the law. I was turning tricks. I was, I had a trafficker and everything, but I always noticed that people are human and everybody has sadness and grieving. I mean, you said that lady put her whole, her paycheck into the slot machines for her rent. So where was she supposed to go Heidi after that? Like, Obviously, she was going to get kicked out of her house or her apartment, right? Well, maybe, so, but the, the, the thing about doing that job is you have cash again tomorrow. So if you're irresponsible, if you're a drug addict, if you're a shopaholic, you can blow all your tip money, and then the next day you'll still make more tips. So it's very right. easy for a person who's irresponsible. That's a great job for somebody who's irresponsible, unfortunately. And then wow. you can wind up with Yeah. You know what? And that, that sounds a lot like the women and the men and the young girls and the young boys that are in the sex industry. If they, you know, even if they have a trafficker, like literally like there's, there comes a point where, you know, you can make that money tomorrow. Now, even as a cocktail waitress, you might not make it as much as if you're, what about the new cocktail waitress that comes on the scene? That's younger, prettier, sexier. And just same, like when I was in the sex industry, like the younger women would come and they would be more higher in demand, which is really sad because there's a higher demand for that. And we have to blame that on our culture and our society, you know, Oh, younger is better, you know, bigger, bigger breasts are better and sexier (laughs) is better. Right. So you make more money, obviously. Um, but I was going to ask you about you saying, you know, someone says to you, Oh, you look cute today. And then all of a sudden there's a lawsuit out there for the me too movement. Right. And I believe that is absolutely ridiculous. Like if people could even think or if the things that I've been through in my life, I should have had so many lawsuits started way back when. I mean, I've had guys when I was wearing miniskirts full on put their hand up my miniskirt in broad daylight in a nightclub. 
you know, wow. and not, 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 but there was lights in there, right? Or walking through the casino, go down my shirt and grab my, my chest. Mm -hmm. And no one mm -hmm. did anything about it. And you didn't sit there and see me going, I'm calling the cops. I was like, I slapped the dude. I was like, get your hands off me, punk. That's so what you have to do. A word to the wise, to the women out there. It, we, we're not saying that you can't report anything, but things that don't, that d don't necessarily, um, how would you say that, Heidi? What would you say in your, in your perspective? I would say if it doesn't rise to the level of sleep with me or you get fired. I think if someone just makes a rude comment, you, and, and listen, you and I know, we understand banter versus somebody being rude. I remember walking in one time to the cocktail waitress area and the bartender said, I had a dream about you last night. I said, oh yeah, how much do you owe me? Okay, now, <laughs> that may not sound funny to, to somebody who's been trafficked, that may not be funny, but I said, and he goes all about, I, you know, I, 200, <laughs> where you laugh, right. So he said all about $250 and we laughed and we moved on with our day. Nowadays, oh, no, you wait. say that to somebody and you're in trouble. Oh, I would have said, um, honey, you owe me everything you make. Because you, you can't afford me. Okay. They're, they're, Hand over exactly, everything. Exactly. But it's harmless banter. It's not meant to be insulting. He wasn't hitting on me. We worked together all the time. It was no big deal. As opposed to somebody being disrespectful. I had a guy one time. I don't know if I can do this. He did a gesture with his finger and uh, kind of like this, the finger, like a sexual gesture. You know what I'm talking about? when they? Do yes, I do. I do. Okay. Um, I was working in, the, uh, in a radio station. And a guy I worked with, I was on Zoom, did that while I was talking. And I called him into the other room. I had someone call him into the other studio where the other person couldn't hear him. And I just laid him out. I said, you ever do that again? I will have your job. I got four witnesses. I laid him out because it was disrespectful. I can handle it. I'm not shocked. I'm not offended. It's disrespectful. So you earn respect. You understand that very, very well. You have to earn it. And when women go running to HR, every time somebody says, oh, you got a new haircut, that hurts, as far as I'm concerned, that hurts the sisterhood a lot. No, it, it, it does, but also it, it wrecks the, the insurance for our jobs go up, the taxes right? go up, because there's all these different lawsuits that can happen. And I'm not, sure. again, everyone, I just want to reiterate to the audience, we are not talking about true sexual harassment. Right. But this is this is just, and, and I really like the way you handled that. You probably could have done something to that guy, but you chose to to rip him a new one, which he probably needed. He um, did. And, you, and basically, and that, that actually gives that person a second chance with you and a second chance to come to work behaving. Men will behave if we put them in their place. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, and I read a, a woman. Yeah. I was just going to say, I got a book mailed to me one time at the radio station by a woman who'd sued, I think Goldman Sachs or something. For sexual harassment and it just was very whiny i just finally gave up on it but she was telling a story about walking down the hallway one day and three guys were there talking and then when she passed by one of them said oh who wants to sleep with her now you and i would have said none of you can handle me excuse me and pushed them out of the way right she went scurrying into her office like a little girl like she's an eight-year-old kid and because sexual harassment in that kind of way is a form of bullying and then get a response to you but whereas you and I would have said, nah, not none of you guys can handle me and kept going. They would have respected us more and they would have stopped. That's the difference. Yeah, I, I just I, I wonder I might have probably done the same thing that you did in even in mm -hmm. today's culture. And I, I right. might have went in there and said, OK, first of all, where are you getting this <laughs> attitude from? 
I would have schooled him like a mother. I would have been like, look, right. it's not cool what you just did. I don't appreciate right. it. Dude, knock it off. Why don't you take your little boy games to another location? Right, right now, right. you're in eight, nine to five here. Now act like a man. And then I would have walked out. I might have gotten fired though, but. <laughs> yeah, but you got the finger. So you got the finger going right. in the mom look. You're like, hey, exactly. And, and my, my husband knows too, because I'm married. And I, you know, I, I, even with him, the way he was raised, like the rock and roll world is really like sexual. So even though he has the band striper that he's in, he's dealt with a lot of different type of uh, situations where women were taking their shirts off. I mean, even to his band, they would take their shirts off. And he was just like, whoa, but uh, he always handled it very well. Like he never, you know, berated anyone or, or cussed anybody out. He was very kind to everyone. But yeah, sometimes women get aggressive, Heidi. I mean, the women were taking their shirts off because they wanted attention. Right. They're groupies, right? Hi, friends. Today we were talking about conservatism. We're talking about having a voice on the radio. We're talking about Las Vegas, but... This scripture came to mind for me. It's in 1 Timothy 2, and it's first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And I like to say about this scripture is that no matter who's in power, no matter who our authority is in government, or maybe the job position that you have and your boss in a family position, ultimately we need to live quiet and peaceful lives and be obedient. And you guys, we need to pray for those who are in authority. You never know what God can do to their hearts. We can criticize them. We can berate them. We can take them off their platforms. We can cancel culture them. But the bottom line is, is this. We are to love people. And by showing love, we pray and we honor. We don't have to submit to ungodly things, but we have a duty as a body of Christ is to respect that God has placed whoever is in authority. I wrote a book about my life and about the abuse of authority, and it's called Fallon, Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior, and actually fallen, like I felt, right? So everyone's fallen short of God's glory. And this takes my story from beginning to end of how I got trafficked, and how I submitted to the wrong authorities and got abused. And there's a great ending to the end of it. It reads just like a movie. If you're interested, go to hookersforjesus.net and you can click on the book. And also you can go to Amazon. You can find it there as well in Barnes and Noble. So I, I, want, I wanted to um, ask you about what made you lean in your radio station and your, your, what you do towards conservatism and, and what is your main argument with conservatism? Well, I actually started paying attention to politics when I was probably 19, 20 years old. And I started reading more, paying attention to more. And I started to become more conservative in my viewpoints. And I remember being like maybe closer to 30. And my mom said, well, you should listen to Rush Limbaugh. I said, who's that? 
And she said, you sound just like him. And I'd never heard of him, not even understanding that I'd eventually do talk radio or anything like that. So just a lot of, uh, of information, getting a lot of my dad was an FDR Democrat, fantastic man. I adored him. But he was an FDR Democrat, got my politics kind of well, we didn't talk about politics much then, but it's just educating myself about what was going on. And then, of course, you become an adult, pay your own bills, things like that. And you see the world differently. And uh, I don't see I mean, I think conservatism to me is about family values. And I think that there are a lot of you certainly talk a lot about trafficking. And there are people who and you know, this will call what, what you used to do sex work like it's an occupation as if it's perfectly fine like someone's hurting you if they're, you know, putting some kind of kibosh on what you do. I've interviewed people on my radio show. I had a madam call one time. She started doing that at 51. I said, God bless her. I wouldn't take my clothes off for strangers at that age. Whoa, started doing yeah. at 51, <laughs> right? And she called my show. And I, because I, I reached out to her at the brothel, she called in and she said, look, it's my business what I do with my body and this and that. And I, people understand, you know, okay, I'm not going to argue with her, but there are people on the left who would make it sound as if it's perfectly fine. And they don't seem to care about the damage it does to people. So to me, it's a conservative point of view. And I have friends who are libertarians who claim to be conservatives who are defending the houses of you know prostitution. You know, these, some of these people are. And I, to me, it's it's soul killing. I mean, you know this better than I will ever Absolutely. know. It. It's soul killing. So it's not yes. it's just not about not caring about somebody. It's not about judging somebody. When I drive up from work, sometimes I go up Tropicana. You know what I see on Tropicana. Yes. Is, for everyone that doesn't know this, we have a street called Tropicana on Las Vegas Boulevard, and it goes up towards and also down towards Boulder Highway, and it goes up towards Summerlin. And we have young underage girls walking up and down that street being yeah. sold. And yeah. women and that I are over 18 as well. But it's it's absolutely uh, just heartbreaking. Um yeah. It's terrible. And I think you, when I see them, I, I see them and I, I want to just pull over and say, please get in my car. I'll, I'll, I'll take you somewhere. But I know having talked to you so many times, it's not as simple as that because there's the psychology involved in it. And there's probably a yeah. pimp one and they can yes. be in trouble or they might go back. And that's something I leave to the professionals like you, because you understand how to talk to these girls. But my heart would be to drive around with a van and just pick them all up. But it doesn't work that simply, as you know. But we can use that heart, Heidi, because the j just you saying that there's people out there like you. There's so many that want to help and they can help and get involved. And, and, and the heart and compassion that is needed to to bring these ladies, uh, these young girls in this place, because they don't a place of safety and stability, which is, you know, the destiny house. What we do is the fact that they just don't have the right fathers and mothers in their lives, or they never even had that and they had foster care or, you know, sometimes it's within their family, their mother and father are actually trafficking them. It's as disgusting as I've, I have to say it like that pedophilia, yeah. incest and all that. And, yeah. um, I, I just, the conservative view, I don't think is wrong at all about trafficking. In fact, we're very concerned about trafficking. We don't, I don't believe you know, just like you said, it's a soul killing position to be someone that has to sell themselves to make money. Uh, there's nothing that's empowering about it. Now, there would be a very, very small percentage, but that has what our media has done over the past probably 50 years or more uh, has put this work in the spotlight as saying, you know, before trafficking became really popular, it is an okay job. It's sex yeah. work. And we all don't believe it's, it's that. I believe it's paid rape.
Just say it Ab- like it absolutely. is. Absolutely. You're giving someone permission to rape you because you really don't want to have sex with that person. You're getting paid. Right. So that means it's rape. So that's right. not really free will to me. That's rape. Right? That's true. And when I drive down <laughs> Tropicana or up Tropicana, I should say, and I see these girls or Boulder Highway or places where they are. And I think what eight-year-old girl dancing around in a princess dress thinks she's going to grow up and do this? Right. Where, where did it go wrong? Was she abused before? As you, you, you've talked about so many times, most of the people are abused. They feel like they're dirty. They're not dirty. They're not dirty in God's eyes. They're not damaged right. in God's eyes because God restores all of us. But they believe that about themselves. They don't believe they deserve better. And I just look at them. and I just it, it's 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 terrible. And, and the people who just want to normalize it like it's an alter. Hey, yeah. You know, it's, you could be a welder. You could be a mechanic right. or you could be a sex worker. Perfect. Or you could yeah, be a step. Or whatever. I mean, it, it's it's insane. It really is. Right, right. Or you could be the president one day. <laughs> and I was going <laughs> to ask you also, Heidi, about, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Do you think that conservatism is dying or is dead? Or do you think that we're just getting started? Well, I think that as a nation, we had four years of tremendous prosperity. And it's not that I worship Trump. I supported a lot of what he stood for. It's not about Trump. A lot of the policies, pro-Israel, pro-life, things like that, I supported. I think that we as a nation, you know, what God shed his grace on us. And what do we do? We gave him the finger, basically. We're not turning back to God. We're chasing the wrong heroes. We're watching reality TV, not reading books. I mean, we have just really failed the prosperity test. And perhaps our nation is in for some real turmoil for a while. And perhaps the conser- the real conservative movement will start to grow and Christians will turn back to God. I mean, I've seen several people just in the last few weeks when I'm walking my dog in the park reading the Bible, more so than I've seen in the past. And I, so wow. maybe... Yeah, it's really encouraging because you don't learn anything, Annie, you know this, you don't learn anything from smooth sailing. You only learn from the storm. And perhaps as a nation, this is what we need to learn from, I guess. And listen, it's going to be rough for a few years. We don't know how tough, but listen, you open the Bible, pick a page. There's some rotten ruler in charge, always, right? And Jesus didn't say, well, you know, I'd love to get this thing going, but you know, we got these bad High taxes. (laughs) Exactly. Right, right. (laughs) The ruler was evil and there were high taxes. (laughs) Exactly. And God's plan goes on. God's plan for all of us goes on regardless of who's in charge, whether it's our governor, whether it's the president, Whoever it might right. be, ultimately, most of what happens in our lives is within our control, and it's due to our decision-making, good and bad. And then there are things that happen that we can't control, and then it's how we respond to it that we're held accountable for. And so I think it's maybe a time for us as a nation. And, and I do know and believe, because I have a lot of friends that are that are very devout on both sides, and then in the middle, and then bipartisan, whatever. And the thing is, is this, there's good people everywhere, Heidi. Yeah, absolutely. There, I believe in our country. I believe in everyone. If they have the ability to really listen to their heart, they're going to want to do the right thing. We just need to pray that that comes to pass. Yeah, I so, think so. You know, I, I thank you so much for being on Annie's Pink Chair today. The other thing is I wanted you to share your radio station and then where, okay. can, where can people listen? And then okay. let's get that link up of your book and if you have a website. Okay, so my website is HeidiHarris.com, and my books are up there on the website. I have two. I have the Cocktail Waitress Wisdom and then the one I wrote a couple years ago called Don't Pat Me on the Head. I know you'd appreciate that title. You can yell at me all day, but don't do this. 
there, there, little girl. No, no. Uh, I'll send you a copy. Uh, but that's okay. on HeidiHarris.com. And I'm on AM670, KMZQ, uh, weekdays, 9 a.m. to noon in Las Vegas. And if you're not in Vegas, you can hear it. Uh, you can just click on the link on the HeidiHarris.com page. There's a link in the top. You can listen live to the show when I'm on. And I do a podcast, too, Heidi Harris Show. That's awesome. And you have something else brewing that's coming soon, right? I do. So and you're going to be one of my first that. guests. Yes. We'll talk about that later. I, I'm might. super excited about it. I have so many more questions for you, but uh, you know what? We'll wait for next time because okay. next time you're going to be in the studio. Okay. Now that COVID's almost over. Oh, right? let's hope so. Yes, let's hope so. <laughs> we don't want any more of this in our world, no. correct? Enough. Enough. <laughs> so, yeah, totally. And thank you so much, Heidi, for being on today and being here with us virtually. And we'll see you soon on Annie's Pink Chair, okay? Thank you, sweetie. It's been a pleasure. I yeah, adore you. You too. No, I, do. I Thanks, love son. you too. Thank you. Hi, friends. Today we were talking about conservatism. We're talking about having a voice on the radio. We're talking about Las Vegas. But this scripture came to mind for me. It's in 1 Timothy 2. And it's, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And I like to say about this scripture is that no matter who's in power, no matter who our authority is in government or maybe the job position that you have and your boss in a family position, ultimately we need to live quiet and peaceful lives and be obedient. And you guys, we need to pray for those who are in authority. You never know what God can do to their hearts. We can criticize them. We can berate them. We can take them off their platforms. We can cancel culture them. But the bottom line is, is this. We are to love people. And by showing love, we pray and we honor. We don't have to submit to ungodly things, but we have a duty as a body of Christ is to respect that God has placed whoever is in authority. I wrote a book about my life and about the abuse of authority and it's called Fallon, Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior and actually fallen like I felt, right? So everyone's fallen short of God's glory and this takes my story from beginning to end of how I got trafficked and how I submitted to the wrong authorities and got abused. And there's a great ending to the end of it. It reads just like a movie. If you're interested, go to hookersforjesus.net and you can click on the book. And also you can go to Amazon. You can find it there as well in Barnes and Noble. Thank you so much for joining us today on Annie's Pink Chair. Hi friends, it's Annie Lobert from Annie's Pink Chair and I am actually on location at our nonprofit ministry called The Destiny House. And do you feel and see the presence that's going on here? The peace, the calmness, the comfort, the beautiful grass, the trees. This is what each woman comes to 
when she enters our Destiny House program for sex trafficking victims. Would you please consider partnering with us monthly or just send us a one-time donation? Just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net and click on donate. And listen, your donation goes to a good cause and it's tax deductible. Thank you so much.